Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, happy Valentine's Day to each and every one of you, to those that are in relationships and are really enjoying the day. A happy Valentine's Day to you, but also very much uh, thinking of people who are single, pe- maybe people who are bereaved, people who are separated. People can be very can feel very lonely today as well. So we're going to try and do our bit for everybody today on the programme. We're in, in particular, we're going to be giving tips to singletons on how do you find somebody? Where do you go to find somebody? And then how do you start that conversation? I mean, because a lot of all relationships really start with a good chat and a conversation and to get the conversation uh, going. Uh, and then I spotted a piece yesterday um, about flowers. Lots of people will be getting flowers today and lots of people will love the idea of getting bouquets of flowers. But would you ever consider sending a man a bouquet of flowers? Now, the majority of us would say no, I'd never consider sending a man a bouquet of flowers. But it seems that that tradition is changing and it's a gentleman by the name of Mark Garvey. He's a flower enthusiast and he also runs a flower shop in Dublin and while he said men still make up a small proportion of people that he delivers bouquets of flowers to, he said it is no longer an unheard of tradition. He's been a florist for the past 32 years and he said that when he first uh, started, he said men would never have received a bunch of flowers back then but he reckons in the last Last 10 years or so, there has been a change and it's now starting to become more acceptable and it's now starting to become a a thing. He says the tendency to assume that men won't want flowers really goes down to tradition. He says, you know, it's all to do with kind of the male macho thing and the difference between the sexes and the idea that guys, should they only like football and rugby and drinking beer and sure they wouldn't like to receive flowers. But he said, actually, the opposite is true, that a lot of guys actually do like to receive uh, flowers. So there's something that is going to become become uh, more and more a tradition. And I'm wondering, have you ever sent a bouquet of flowers to a man or as a man, have you ever received a bouquet of flowers? And did you particularly like the idea that somebody took the time out to send you uh, flowers? And then the the last matchmaker He's probably the final, is he the last to find a traditional matchmaker in this uh, country? Willie Daly. A lot of people know Willie Daly from Listoon Varn. I can't believe the man is now uh, 80 and he's been bringing couples together. I think he started out matchmaking when he was uh, a teenager and of course he has the Listoon Varn Festival every year but he reckons his days now are numbered and of course when he started the tradition he, he didn't actually start it. He was following in the footsteps of his father and his father 
father was following in the footsteps of his father. So the tradition in Willie Daly's family goes back to his uh, grandfather and they operated in times when every town in Ireland would have had a matchmaker. Every village would have had a matchmaker. And of course, Liston Varna, they still hold the annual matchmaking festival. And, you know, it's certainly from from the hospitality sector, it's a huge, huge boost for the Listoon Varna area, and that happens every every uh, September. Willie Daly also runs a donkey farm. I wasn't aware of that, but he reckons that this year's festival may actually be his last. And he is was talking this week about the art of matchmaking and how do you go about matchmaking and how do people actually meet up. He says pubs funerals and weddings. He said they are the main places where most matchmaking takes place. I can understand the pubs, I can understand the weddings. The funerals was one I hadn't really thought thought about. He said, while you can say in the world that everything has changed, he said nothing really has changed because he said people, the people's loneliness, that's still the very same as it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And he said people ultimately still want to share their lives with someone. As to the modern world of dating apps, Willie Daly says he is in favour of anything that simply brings people together. And he actually made his first match as a teenager when he brought together a couple after the young woman caught the man's eye at church. They were sitting in mass and she looked across and thought she liked the look of him. Spoke to Willie. Willie went and spoke to the guy, set them up and hey presto, uh, a wedding uh, came out of that particular union. And back in the day though when Willie would have started out matchmaking all those years ago, he said the mothers would have been very adamant to get their sons married. So in many cases it was the mothers who went to the local matchmakers. The fathers would have been very wishful that their girls would have met a nice man. But if their son was the heir to the land, then having children, finding a match and having a children, that was the big, big thing for both the mother and the father. Now, Willie Daly says attraction didn't matter for a woman. It was to have a roof over her head. God, how times have changed, thank God. And for the man, it was to have somebody to share his life with and in all probability to have a family. He said, young or old, they still have the very same thoughts today. Willie Daly still has this big leather bound matchmaking book that dates back to his father and his grandfather's time and it's stuffed full of letters from people who write to him seeking a partner. As to the future of the traditional matchmaker in Ireland he said I've done it all my life I suppose you could put it down to what I do and I continue doing it now. He said some of his daughters have done it but they've stopped. He said it isn't that simple so it looks like as I remember his daughter, I certainly remember one of his daughters going into the matchmaking but she didn't did decided not to not to, to stick with it. So it looks like starting for the for the if the Listerine Varna Festival, it'll be his last chance to try to match people up. And that is and I don't know, there could or there could be still some matchmakers around uh, the country, but he certainly is seen as the very last of the traditional matchmakers, Willie Daly in Listerine Varna. I mentioned, would you send flowers to a man or have you ever sent flowers to a man? And it seems in the last 10 years to be getting more common. It isn't just the females who will receive bouquets of flowers today. Elizabeth says, morning, Patricia. I gave my husband a single red rose and I've done it every year for the past 32 years 
years. Well done, uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, the single red rose is certainly uh, a lovely thing. Someone else says, I sent flowers to a guy I fancied one Valentine's Day. He got a great kick out of it. P.S. I still fancy him. <laughs> so do I take it the flowers didn't work and that you didn't go out with him, but that you just still fancy him? Or did he pick up on it and you're actually a couple? Give me some more information, please. And someone else says, and I don't know, anyone who's out buying flowers might be able to tell us this. Has anybody else noticed that flowers are not as expensive this year as they have been in previous uh, years? And could that be that with petrol and diesel going down? Because obviously transportation costs with flowers is absolutely huge. And I'm assuming during COVID times, there was probably additional costs attached to flowers as well. Has anybody noticed that flowers are a little bit cheaper this year, according to this listener, than they were on previous years? And listen to this text. By God, if this isn't a word of warning uh, to somebody who says, uh, hi, Patricia, since it's Valentine's Day and everybody is all loved up. Uh, and happy. I would like to throw some practicality into the mix. And this is a message for a Cork lady who is dating my brother, who is a Kerry man and dating him in a Kerry. My advice to that lady is check out how he treats his mother, his sisters and find out how he treated his ex-wife. You will be the next one treated terribly. The property where he lives is a pigsty. He also left the marital home in that condition. When he slaps you, he also did that to his mother, to his sisters and to his ex-wife. My advice is uh, take care of yourself. Isn't that incredible? And that is coming from a sibling of the man who has treated his mother, his sisters and his ex-wife, uh, in a, including physical violence and is now dating somebody from Cork who obviously doesn't uh, realise what kind of a man uh, he is. And there is, there, the one thing in that uh, text is really, really true. If you're ever dating somebody, always watch the way for a man, the way a man treats his mother and indeed his uh, sisters. And I always think that's a good mark of a man. And, you know, and then it follows through if somebody is particularly kind and caring to a mother or to a sister or to other female colleagues you know the collation to me will be that's what he'll be in in your life in your uh, relationship but that's just it's it's a frightening text as well because I'm assuming that that woman from Cork who's now dating this Kerry man in Kerry is completely unaware of the history of the man that she is with and the type of type of man, man he's with and I don't know if that sibling that's contacted us can speak to that lady and explain the background uh, to the brother and the type of personality that he is This is Cork Today on C103 Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. And just on the cost of flowers, when somebody had noticed that flowers seem to be cheaper this year than previous uh, years, somebody says, I think some of the flower prices are absolutely crazy, particularly if you're going out to buy, say, a dozen red roses. Listener says roses are a complete waste of money. They never last as long. Cheaper flowers last uh, much longer. Yeah, and if you get a bouquet, you'll find that the roses will be the first to go, whereas the other flowers, the cheaper cuts, uh, certainly will be there long after the roses have faded away. Thank you for that to 0862103103. Now, Social Justice Ireland, they're calling on the government to prioritise people living on social welfare when considering supports to address the ongoing cost of living challenges. Joining me with their thoughts is uh, Suzanne Rogers, who's Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, Suzanne. 
Good morning. Thanks for having us. Oh, well, you're, you're very welcome. And, and we know that we're in that week where the government are deciding where they go next in offering supports. You're calling for an extra eight euro a week in social welfare payments. Just outline what difference. Eight euro doesn't sound like a lot, but what difference would that make? It doesn't sound like a lot, but it goes back to our pre-budget ask from last year. What we had wanted and what actually a lot of our other organisations had wanted was a €20 a week increase in the core social welfare rate. And what we got was 12. So, excuse me, the 8 would bring it up to that 20. And that €20 really, just really allowed people to stand still, unfortunately. All it did was allow those on that core social welfare rate, which was €208 a week, was to allow them to be able to put the same basket of goods, the same rent payment, um, you know, to be able to do the same things last year as they were able to, <clears throat> excuse me, before, because of the, the you know, it, it didn't really, I mean, it just about covered inflation, to be honest with you. So we're still looking for that little bit of a gap. And what it'll do is it really will just allow people just to maintain, just to be able to, to not have to make those difficult decisions between do I top up my prepay meter today or do I let it run out and buy food instead? They're the kind of choices, unfortunately, that people are having to make. And I don't like using the word choice because it, it implies that you've got some control. Like no choice is still, you know, is still classed as a choice, but it's yeah. really, really difficult out there. And, would you, and Suzanne, would you give that €8 Euro per week rather than extending the €200 Euro energy credit, the universal payment to everyone? In an ideal world, we would be able to do everything. What we're constantly being told is that there's a limited amount of resources and that decisions have to be made by government where they're going to put that money that they have. So we would definitely prefer that it would be targeted. The universal energy credit, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's going to households that don't need it. Um, you know, so I, I appreciate that there's, you know, there's, there's a, at least a, a third, if not more, of households simply don't need this extra this extra money. I mean, you're looking at the... This is Oxfam recently did a piece on, on billionaires in Ireland. You know, I think the top 10 families have something like 50 billion between them. They don't need an extra 200 euro energy mm. credit going to them. Now, I appreciate that, that there is that middle, but there are other options available for that, that kind of, you know, for, for households on middle incomes that are, are finding it difficult they of all people should really appreciate if you're finding it difficult on a middle income how almost impossible it is on a low income. But there are other options out there for, for households on middle incomes who are struggling with their energy bills. Well, you, what, you're looking at community welfare officers sort of thing? You're looking at, I suppose, if you engage with your lender, if you're finding it difficult to make the payments, if you, sorry, not your lender, your, your energy company, that there are supports out there, there's payment plans that can be put in place, there are, um, you know, there's funds available, I think people need to get in touch. If they are struggling with their energy bills, they need to get in touch with their energy provider and they also need to get in touch maybe with Mabs, Vincent de Paul. There's lots of support out mm, there. Mm. And I mean, I spoke um, only uh, last week with uh, Bernardo's on the increase in food poverty. One parent families, uh, Suzanne, came out. Uh, they really are the most vulnerable, aren't they? I think no matter who's doing the piece of research, we get the same results every single time. And it is exactly that. It's parents, it, it's households with children. As much as we love them, they're expensive. It's households with children. Teenagers get more expensive. So that 12 to 17-year-old is increased cost there. And if it's headed up by a lone parent, 
um, yeah, they are the most at risk and households who can't work due to illness or disability. So we're seeing the same cohorts over and over and over again, no matter who's looking at a risk of poverty or deprivation or, you know, fuel poverty. Uh, the travelling community are, are very badly affected by fuel poverty. So, you know, you're coming up with the same cohort all the time. And that's why we're kind of saying, well, we know who they are. So we, we do need to do something. We need to target that. And they're talk at the moment of developing, you know, looking at the national child poverty targets. And again, it's well documented, the impact, the long term impact that children living in poverty, what that does to them right the way through their lives. So we need to join the dots, I think, a little bit better. Um, you know, and as you said, eight euro isn't isn't a huge amount of money. We're being told that there's a budget surplus, that there's, there's money in the kitty. I think back to last year, was the, the morning when the silk deprivation figures were released, I was in a conference in that afternoon, and the conference was very upbeat, very much about Ireland's a great place to do business, it's a, an innovative hub, it's a technical hub, it's going to ride out the recession. So two really different Irelands in the space of three hours. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we, can, we can do this. Yeah, and, and, and I know, I mean, the hospitality sector uh, won't thank me for this, but I know there is there is some expectation that the 9% VAT on the, the tourism industry won't be extended uh, and that they, they'll go back to 13.5%. But that by doing that, it, free up, it frees up more funds for all the supports like what you're talking about, Suzanne. Yeah, I, that's a huge conversation, isn't it? What services do we want and how are we going to pay for them? And... That is, we really need to look right the way across our, our tax take. I mean, we advocate increasing tax take in the country. And before people start throwing things at the radio, <laughs> we're not talking about income tax. We are talking, because the first thing everybody thinks of is, oh, no, my wage slipped. Um, you know, we're looking at increasing our tax take right the way across the spectrum. There's tax expenditures that the government foregoes. And we're not really sure, are they still working, how much we're foregoing. We need to do so much more right the way across the spectrum looking at our tax take you know and, and some of it is it's because it's really complicated it's really intricate um we're actually presenting to the Oireachtas committee tomorrow night on the commission on taxation and welfare on exactly that how do we increase our tax take to be able to provide the services that we want as a nation? I mean, an obvious one, or is it, is a windfall tax on the energy companies. We're constantly hearing from people who are getting energy bills that are three times what they were uh, last year. All of these companies are making massive profits. I can't figure that out. I, I struggle. I don't understand this, as you said. But, you know, all the conversation is about the increase in you know, in inflation and fuel costs, and yet companies are making bumper profits. I'm struggling to square that circle myself. I don't really understand how how those two conversations can be had at exactly the same time. It doesn't make sense. But there's lots of other things that we need to be looking at. We need to be looking at, you know, a, a vacancy and, and, and empty land, you know, really properly. We need to be looking at taxes. I mean, I'm talking the super wealthy. I'm talking that top 10 families who have the 50 billions um, Oxfam reckon that a, a tax on the super wealthy in this country would yield about 8.2 billion and our tax um, our pre-budget ask last year was only 2 billion so you know it, these things are possible and I think if you've got 50 billion between you I don't know whether you'd notice 8 billion missing you know you kind of have to ask yourself how much is enough almost mm. but there's lots of different ways the, the aviation industry um, you know there's 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 a lot of tax stuff that's 
that's not really paying its fair share either in terms of emissions tax and kerosene and all of that sort of stuff. So it's a really broad, wide conversation. There's lots of taxes that you and I never encounter, you know, business taxes, R&D credits and starts and all of these kind of things. All of that needs to be looked at. Okay, And just very finally, uh, Suzanne, are you seeing any glimmers of light when it comes to cost of living? I mean, do we just have to live with these high prices? The latest thing I heard was that the three years when we add them up, so 21, 22 and 23, and this is looking at the government forecast as well for this year, we're looking at probably a combined figure of 20% over that period. We are being told that it's slowly starting to, to sort of filter through. But I, I don't know whether prices are going to go back down. That's the only thing. I mean, you see it yourself, I'd imagine. I go around the supermarket and I do look at the prices of things and things may have gone from 120 to 140 to 160 to 170. So mm. all of those 30 and 40 cents add all up. All add up, the, yeah, yeah. You know, by the time I get... I, 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 can't see, I can't see them going back. What we're hoping for, I suppose, is that it will stay at 170 rather than going to 190 and 210. Mm. But it'll be very difficult, I think, for maybe petrol pumps. We might see, you know, we might see prices drop there. We might see our unit per cost of energy maybe drop in our in our bills. But I can't see, you know, the, the Ukraine thing in terms of 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 wheat, um, in terms of grains as well coming out of Eastern Europe. There's um, the energy cost is affecting things like smelters in Germany. So everything's because we're so connected now that. You know, there's, there's this kind of ripple effect of the cost of batteries, the cost of, of grain that goes into pastas, that goes into, I mean, there's certain weird things that I've noticed aren't on the supermarket shelves anymore. And I'm kind of going, that's mad, you know. Yeah, I <laughs> like can't my, get that, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Like my, my, my local supermarket hasn't had tomato puree for Yeah, ages, yeah. <laughs> where's my tomato puree gone yeah, yeah, where's yeah. Puree it'll gone? come back again it'll come back again <laughs> alright Suzanne listen thank you for that and uh, uh, pleasure as always to join you thank you uh, for your contribution today thanks so much take uh, care good morning to you that is Suzanne Rogers research and policy analysis with uh, Social Justice uh, Ireland and I can see there's no name one t- um, texter not happy with the, the suggestion from Social Justice Ireland what they're saying t- to the government is increase social welfare rates this extra eight euro a week and they say that that should be prioritized over the government giving the 200 euro energy bill credit to uh, everyone somebody says that thought makes me absolutely sick that 200 euro energy credit saved me this year i work every week i've got rent i'm a single parent but i have never ever taken anything from the state i think the working middle income class can't be penalised yet again to help social welfare clients. We're constantly paying for this. I, for one, need that €200 Euro energy uh, credit. And I think that's probably summing up how a lot of people feel about the energy credit. I think Suzanne is right. There are a cohort of very, very wealthy people who didn't need the €200 Euro energy credit, but certainly that squeezed middle uh, for sure needed it. Last month saw the new Douglas Rochestown Educate Together School, National School open on Cars Hill after many years of waiting by families in the area. But it seems a problem has now arisen for I think it's about 50 children who are being denied a place on the school bus to get them to and from this new school. To find out what is going on, I'm joined by one of the parents, and that's John Collier, who has a child in third class in the school. Good morning to you, John. 
Good morning, Patricia. Now, Thanks for having me on the show. It's, it's our pleasure. I suppose first thing we need to point out, are all the children outside of this, what is it, 3.2 kilometre limit that Bus Aaron and the Department of Education say you must be in order to qualify to get on the bus? Um, all of the children within the 50 that we're referring to, they're all with, with outside that 3.2 kilometres. Most of them are within the Mount Oval Estate, which is, um, I'm at the very start of the estate, which is 5.2, but it's actually 5.7 kilometres from the back of the estate. So they're all within that range. So 5.2, 5.7, why are your children not allowed on the bus? Um, well, the... The department and bus Aaron were unsure at this stage as to which area the fault lies in, but they apply what's called a traversable route, um, which we fully understand, and that traversable route doesn't necessarily need to be driven. It can be walkable or cyclable. But the route that they're applying to us goes illegally down a one-way system out of Mount Oval onto the main carriage line, N28 Road, which is soon to be a motorway. Um, then they're expected to walk up along that road for about a kilometre and then illegally cross three lanes of traffic and down the slip road then from the Carrigaline Road down to Cars Hill where the school is and there's absolutely no footpaths or anything along the way. So it's not drivable or it's not safe in any way for an adult, not alone a child under 12, to walk along. And that's deemed a traversable route by Bus Aaron and the Department of Education? Apparently, yes. I mean, we, like, when I initially contacted Bus Aaron in relation to this, I automatically assumed there was some IT glitch yeah. that was causing this. But the response categorically back from Bus Aaron every single time, even today, has been this is the traversable route as deemed by, by us. Um, so to me, it looks as if it is a policy issue within the department, to be quite honest, rather than within Bus Aaron but it's something that needs to be sorted quickly because there are 50 children here being discriminated against when their neighbours who are living closer to that school can get a bus and they can. And to prove the point, you actually made a video of the route that children would be expected to walk. I did. Um, I, I was here last in the bank holiday Monday and I was so frustrated with the situation um, and the lack of response from both the Department of Education and Bus Aaron in relation to it, I, I wanted to make it public. So I made a video, and it's not the best video in the world, but I think it does show that the, the route is not traversable. Um, and that has been streamed a, a good few times now over YouTube as well. So it, it's something I think people can relate to and the difficulties that we're we're seen in relation to this issue. I, I, I actually couldn't believe when I sat down to watch it yesterday how anyone in any office anywhere could say that that's a traversable route and that primary school children would be well able to look after themselves and walk that route to and from school every, every morning. It just, the mind absolutely boggles. But the government are encouraging all of us to use the car less. But I'm assuming yes. now that all of the parents of these 50 children they're now forced to drive and collect their children. So putting more cars on the road. Exactly. And the way they're building new schools now, there's no parking at the school. Um, so if you have to go and collect your child, you have to park in one of the local estates and walk up to the school to collect them. Um, your other option is you can join the queue along the main car sale road, which is blocking up traffic 
particularly at the collection time in the afternoons, the mornings are, are relatively free. But for collection time, there can be a tailback from uh, the school right back to Maryborough Woods with people queuing to get in and collect their tiles. Um, like a, a recent study that I looked up in, in UL has shown that a bus is actually 10 times more carbon efficient than having the cars on the roads that, that would be required to fill that number of people. Um, so it just makes no sense that they wouldn't provide a bus, particularly with the with the carbon credits and the, and what the government are forcing and um, the nation to do to reduce those carbon footprints uh, as well. That a bus is the only logical option here. Is there is the school on a on a, on a normal bus route that children could use? So there is a two one six bus route which actually goes up past Mount Oval, and the last stop to that is in Maryborough Woods. So there's still about another five hundred meter walk from that bus stop up to the school. Um, at the moment, that pathway along that is very narrow, and um, the traffic can be going at sixty seventy kilometres sometimes along that road as well. So, as a parent, I would not allow my daughter to work out, walk up that road on her own. I would still have to go and walk up with her. So that's still taking an hour of my day yeah. to her to school and then the yeah. same home in the And, and we've so. got to remember, this is, it's primary school children we're talking about. Exactly, it's, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's the, the nine, so. Um, Can we go back to that point you made about new schools are being built without parking? Typically, like they, they have parking for teachers, um, but they typically have very limited parking for, for parents to have to stop. So most of them work off of a, a, a drop-off system now. Um, and that's certainly the, the school in Rochestown was built with, with that in mind. And is that deliberately to try to stop parents driving their, driving their children to and from school? Um, I don't know the, the policy reasons behind it. Maybe it's purely just to save land and okay. uh, because of cost and, and price of land at the moment. Yeah. Uh, okay. And around that there's a lot of new houses being built so I presume they wanted to use the land for those houses rather than car park spaces. Okay, now you you set up an online petition, are you getting good reaction? We are um, at the moment we have about 620 people have, have um, signed us, so thank you to everyone who has signed us um, and it, it's growing about 100 people every single day at the moment, so it does show that at, at a local level it is a very significant issue um, and I am seeing all of the politicians, both there and the department, on a regular basis with results of how that survey is growing. So they, they are aware that there are a lot of people concerned about this problem. OK, listen, I said I saw that video yesterday. I could not believe what the children were asked to walk to and from school. I'm wondering, did the parents get any reaction from Bus Aaron or the Department of Education when you put the video up live? No, no, no reaction. And the, the only person who has responded at this stage, apart from generic, we have received your email and we look into it, has been Donica O'Leary and um, a Labour representative, Peter Horgan. They're the only two that have got back to me to make any effort to try and resolve this issue. And Donica spoke about that with Norma Foley in the education meeting on Friday. Um, and that's when she responded to say that she had never heard of this issue before okay. but a number of parents have emailed into her even the labor education representative spoke to her three days prior to that and rose raised this issue with her um but she still 
continues to say that she had no nothing about it till Friday. Okay, and you have a fabulous new school. That's that's it. This is a good news story. You have a brand new uh-huh. school. It's brilliant, and, and like I've been involved with the primary um, educate together from the very beginning. My older son was in the very first class in it, and we've been fighting for that premises for a long time. And Alan, the principal, is absolutely amazing, and all of the teaching team that work with him. Um, I'm frustrated a little bit as well because, like, some of the politicians are going back to Alan, and. Alan has enough to be doing in running the school. Like, if we apply for a bus ticket, we apply as parents to Bus Aaron. It has nothing got to do with the school. So I'd like Bus Aaron or I'd like the department to come back to us as a bunch of parents and not be filtering that information through the school. That's true. And you, and you are right. Principals are under enough pressure at the moment with the amount of, of work they have on their desk. OK, listen, we wish you good luck with it, John. And, and I know we've shared the video on our social media page uh, as well. And well done for the, on the initiative, I think, of doing the uh, video. Hopefully common sense will prevail sooner rather than later and your children will be able to get on the school bus. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Have good, a good day. Uh, you too. Good morning to you. That is John Collier, whose uh, child is a third class pupil in the Douglas Rochestown. Educate together, new nationals. Oh, and three, and that's a song all about St. Elmo's fla- Fire. We were talking about flowers, and would you send flowers to a man? Seemingly, in the last 10 years or so, florists are saying it's becoming more of a tradition, slowly, slowly. But uh, girls are sending boys bunches of flowers. Hi, I sent my partner of uh, 21 this was 21 years ago I sent him a bunch of flowers as I was away at the time now this was 20 years ago they were obviously only just starting uh, to date it was the talk of the village they couldn't wait to see who had done such a thing 20 years ago so there's somebody who was bucking the tradition 20 years ago well done and it obviously worked because 21 years on they are still together thank you for that 0818 103 103 let's take a break we've news at 11 on the way Court today on C1 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, some of your calls and uh, texts uh, coming into the programme. We had Tom on from Bantry and he is calling us this morning about the clock. Now, this is the clock on the church of St. Brendan the Navigator. This church overlooks the square in Bantry. And according to our Tom in Bantry, the clock he reckons hasn't been working for the last number of months. So it isn't something, it isn't like a clock that hasn't been working for years. He reckons a number of months ago it stopped working and the clock is now stuck on 10.30. And he's wondering, is there anybody out there uh, could help? Because he says at one stage, the roof on that particular church needed repairing. It was a number of years ago. And he said a whole group of people in Bantry got together. Imagine there was some kind of a fundraiser, was it, for the roof of St. Brendan, the Navigator. And anyway, it all got sorted out. And he's wondering, could something similar be done now to sort out uh, the clock? He said it would be great to have the clock working, particularly ahead of the tourist season, because it's nice for people to be in town and to be able to look up at the clock and tell the correct time. I'm assuming if it's, if it's on church grounds and it's part of a church, it's the church's responsibility. And I don't know, Tom, if you've contacted the church or not. Maybe, I mean, a lot of those clocks are very old. Maybe they're waiting on a part 
for the clock. But it is, if it was a working clock, it's a shame if it suddenly has stopped over the last uh, few months. So maybe somebody in the church or somebody in Bantry knows what's going on with the clock on the church that overlooks the square in Bantry. Why is it stuck at 10.30? If anybody can help us with that, 0818103103. And uh, some reaction to my interview with Social Justice Ireland on the cost of living and Social Justice Ireland are saying to the government, and of course this is the week, across this week and next week, the government are making key decisions on the extension of the cost of living supports because most of the cost of living supports that were put in place in the budget that got announced last October, most of those now have all been rolled out. So now they're looking at it again. They're talking about it won't be a package as big as it was in the budget that in the 2023 budget in October, what they're looking at, according to some newspaper reports, a package probably around a half a million, half a billion, 500 million euro, similar to the package that was announced this time last year. And of course, everybody now throwing in their tuppence halfpenny worth as to what way the government should spend that money. Social Justice Ireland spoke to us and they're saying give everybody in social welfare an extra eight euro a week. They got 12 euro in the budget. Give them an extra eight. Social Justice Ireland had said at the time of the budget 20 euro was the amount that they should have given to social welfare recipients. They didn't give 20, they gave uh, 12. And Social Justice Ireland are saying doing, do it that way rather than say give the, 20, the 200 euro energy credit because there's lots of talk that that's going to be extended and people will get a further 200 euro off the electricity. I know there's another one coming in March but that's the last one of them as of now but there's talks of could there be more. Uh, Annie got on to us. Annie is in uh, Gary Duff in Rochester. I said, well, I welcome the proposal for those on uh, social welfare who do need uh, an increase. Many of us who work every single day and earn a living really need those energy credits. Myself and my husband work. We have three children. Our electricity bill, the latest one in, was €450. So the €200 energy credit coming off that €450 bill was a huge benefit to us. While I totally understand what Suzanne from Social Justice Ireland was saying, I just feel, can you please think of the workers who day in, day out are contributing to this uh, country, but we are also finding it really, really uh, tough. And a lot of the papers today are sort of looking at what the different, particularly the parties in government, what the different coalition parties are saying. For example, the Green Party, they're expected to push for more state supports for families struggling uh, to pay uh, bills. Now, that move would signal something like a second instalment of the double child benefit that they paid out last year. And of course, that was also supported by uh, Fianna Fáil. Eamon Ryan's party is focused on introducing targeted welfare payments. He's saying for vulnerable uh, families because the Green Party are saying they're the ones most impacted by levels of inflation. Fina Gale's position, bit unclear at the moment after the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said he wanted to help pensioners and welfare recipients uh, with some of the government believing that he what he's suggesting there maybe is a double payment to all of the welfare payments rather than going down the child benefit uh, route. And of course that debate around giving extra on the child uh, benefit, that very much ties in with the research that we discussed with Bernardo's showing one in seven parents saying they regularly don't have enough to pay for a main meal and how parents are going without food in order to feed their children. And then you've got the tourism uh, industry 
they have been left with no indication at this stage as to the status of their 9% VAT rate. They did have a meeting yesterday with the Finance Minister, Michael McGrath. He met with representatives from the industry, obviously hearing their proposals of why they want the lower VAT rate uh, uh, retained. Uh, And returning the rate to its original, it should be at 13.5, is among a number of measures being discussed by the the, uh, government. Representatives of hotels, representatives of restaurants, pub owners, all made their case to uh, Michael McGrath and to Pascal Donoghue. However, neither minister gave any opinion at the end of it as to whether the VAT rate will increase or not. And afterwards, I know that the Restaurants Association of Ireland, they said the ministers listened to the concerns as an industry, but they weren't giving anything away. And research has been conducted by the Dublin City University Business School. Now, it was conducted for the Restaurant Association of Ireland. And they actually found that there is an economic case for keeping that 9% rate for the restaurants. The research showed that the ongoing cost of energy crisis, the long running impacts of COVID, along with the need to remain internationally competitive with comparative other countries was among some of the reasons that they felt that the restaurant and the hospitality trade should remain at the low rate of 9%. uh, The research said that the public finances actually allow for that rate to be retained but said an increase will add. They felt an inflationary pressure at a time when inflation is already high. But of course, the other side of that argument is if the government decide to end the 9% VAT rate and put it back up to 13.5%, then that gives the government extra money to fund things like extra child benefit, like that energy credit, like the eight euro that Social Justice Ireland are talking for, for for all social welfare recipients. So it's a, it's a balancing act of they have a pot of money and they need to spread the pot of money around. But then someone else says, hi, Patricia, uh, listening to you, uh, listening to you on about St. Valentine's, uh, sorry, listening to you talking about the societies of Vincent de Paul that are helping people. Well, my, my wife has been ringing them for the last three weeks and nobody he has got back to her. We were forced to sell our car before Christmas to pay our bills. Maybe if we were foreign, we would be sorted out straight away. But as we are Irish, we're not hearing back anything. That seems to be a problem at the moment. The Irish are forgotten about and it's wrong. It's like the Irish don't matter anymore. We're not racist, but that's how things are going at the moment. Listen, I'm I'm always very slow to knock the societies of Vincent de Paul because the unbelievable work that they do, they are flooded with calls unfortunately I would say to I don't know how often your wife has rang or what kind of contact she has with the Society of Vincent de Paul but don't forget it isn't just also charity that you have to go to if you are struggling that badly and you really sound like you are struggling to be forced to sell your car to pay bills go to your local community welfare officer if there's a particular bill that you need help with I don't know if there is any food banks in your area if it's food that you are struggling uh, with but St Vincent de Paul honest to God they are doing the very best that they can if I mean it's possible that you've just somehow fallen through the net and and I don't know how but maybe for your wife uh, to call again or to meet with a member of St Vincent de Paul from the local conference and put forward your case because they really are a fantastic group and uh, I I don't know why you're not hearing back from them but I I, my initial thought would be it is probably that whatever area 
you're in they're probably just swamped under with calls and they're doing their best to get around to everyone that they can 0818103103 Hi Patricia I was in town in a North Cork town yesterday it should have remained nameless I was stopped on the main street with my indicator on pulling in to a parking spot what comes by a lady I would say in her early 60s driving an old jeep she clearly spots me waiting indicator on to park in the parking spot and guess what she took the parking spot anyway then she refused to engage in any eye contact with me while I know we should have respect for our elders in my opinion they are brutal for this and brutal for skipping queues and just to be clear I'm not talking about the very elderly the very elderly can be very very respectful I'm talking about people in their 60s who probably somebody in their 60s that wouldn't even want to be called elderly but the fact that she you couldn't get eye contact she knew what she was doing that's a particularly mean thing uh, to do I, I, I get I get annoyed myself I mean if you clearly have an indicator on you know somebody is going to park why would somebody rush in and grab the parking space and of course in a lot of our main streets in our towns all over the county it's very hard to get parking and if uh, you know parking space becomes available and you know you really you might be just nipping in to get something and you're trying to get a parking space as close as possible and then for somebody to be that mean spirited about it it's yeah it's mean indeed for sure 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your call C103 Jobs Ward personnel they are they've got vacancies on their books for all types of carpenters 021 233-9120 The Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarra they've got a vacancy for what's described as a new arrivals groom full details are available on the Donkey Sanctuary website Qualified accountant is required for a maternity cover up to December of 2023 Now the job does come with an immediate start, it's for a busy Mallow office CVs to obc.mallow at O'Briencahill.ie and the Wild Pine restaurant in Butterant. They're looking for a part-time chef, please. It's 12 to 18 hours per week. Email CV and a cover letter to emma.quaid2005 at gmail.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. What is deemed the most romantic day of the year? Can we all please spare a thought for single people who can find this day very difficult? So to offer advice to people who are looking to find love or even just to find a date, I'm joined by Paul Newman of Catch.ie. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. And now I will talk about catch.ie in a moment. Do you describe that as, as a dating website? Because I, I was on it, I was taking a look at it yesterday. It's like, it's, it's an event website. Is it a dating event website? Is that how you describe it? It, it, isn't, it is indeed. First things first, Patricia, I'm extremely nervous. Are you? I think, and I think I'm, I'm the same way as any single person would be going on their first date. I'm always nervous on radio. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, Catch is a, is a meetup app. Um, and it, I suppose it gives singles, I suppose, the equal opportunity to meet people. Um, it's all about face-to-face encounters. So I suppose if you think about your listeners or in the car or at work, 45% of them are single. They've been on dating apps. 
They've been in the bars. They want to meet people. Well, on catch, every event, we guarantee they meet 15 people face-to-face. And it's that simple. And you're chatting in real time with this person by way of a video call? Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, dating is really a personal thing. It's personal. And you want to interact with that person face-to-face. If you think about it from a dating app point of view, you're swiping, 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 and messaging. And a lot, a lot of your listeners will agree with me. It takes so much effort. And then you have to meet the person face-to-face. With Catch, straight away you're meeting people face-to-face. And imagine meeting 15 people tonight face-to-face that like what you do, the same lifestyle, and it's much easier to, to engage them on a very personal level. Yeah, and you'll know straight away if there's a spark or if you've got something in common. Whereas when you're looking, and, and I'm not knocking the dating uh, apps because they have worked very successfully for people. Yes. But when you're, when you're looking at a dating app, obviously it's the best photographs and the filtered photographs. And how many times has somebody turned up on a date where they pick somebody on a dating app and without the filters, the person looks completely different? Totally. I suppose we, we, kind of, we, we kind of look at it as if you're walking down a supermarket and you see all that big aisle of drinks, you've Coca-Cola, Fanta, Sprite, and then you've all these waters and you've these new brands. Everyone just looks at what they see. They just face, they, they see what they're attracted to. But in reality, if you open all the cans or drinks and drink one at a time, you might like different ones. Mm. And that's what dating is about, really. Because like, realistically, my parents, when they met, they met the Beagle. And they went running through the fields, chasing their horses. And they were face-to-face with all girls and guys running through the fields. And that was the way it was done years ago. And it worked. Why have we kind of made it more difficult? Because you just want to present yourself to a number of people where they can see the real you. And that's what's most important. OK, so then outside of, of using something like your, your app, for singletons that are uh, listening, Mr or Mrs Wright, Paul, they're not going to come and knock on your door. Is, is mingling and getting out there, is, is that your top tip? Uh, it is, of course. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a dating coach and I'm not a dating advisor. I'm a software developer from Wexford. Okay. And, I can see, and I can see clearly there's a problem here because dating is based on numbers. Like, I know I've had numerous stories about different things, how people met on different ways and so on. But realistically, to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you have to meet a number of people, present yourself to a number of people. But you can't just go to the pub, your local pub, and say, OK, I'll, there's two girls at the bar, I'll chat with those, and that's it. I'll marry, I'll marry the, the, the other one. That's not really the way. Of course, it, for some people it has worked, but imagine you can meet 15 people tonight and then 15 people next weekend. And at 30, you're going to go, oh, my God, I like four of them. I'll go on dates and I'll try and I'll just see what they're like in person. And I think like, technology has come so far. And I'm a technology guy. But realistically, it's very simple. You have to present yourself because your personality will connect. As you said, when, when the click is there, the click is there. You'll only, you'll only kind of feel that click when you're face to face in person with that person. You like their instances. You like their funny ways of doing things. You like their, their aura. You like everything. And that's what people have to be uh, doing because that is the, the, the stepping stone to kind of progress, I think, progress in any type of relationship. Um, but shyness can affect people, uh, Paul. Starting that conversation, can that be difficult for some? So inside the catch-up, we, if you are really, really nervous, now, surprisingly, last weekend or on Sunday, we had a big event in Dublin, and we have a lot of people who are very shy. And we send them details of cue points in, in the app and so on. But we're, all, we're so surprised at the feedback. And they say, look, this is so easy. 
you introduce me to these girls and it's so easy because everyone is kind of the same. We match people based on their personality and we say, well, this person likes outdoor activities and the other person does. And we say, hey, top tip is just talk to her about this and talk about this. And we kind of break down the steps to do it and it make it easier. And everybody who attended our event last Sunday in Dublin overwhelmingly success. I'm not just talking now, but I'm saying you have to try this for yourself because it is very easy and very relaxed to meet 15 people per event. Mm. And, and when you're trying to get that relationship and try to find out about somebody, being a good listener always really helps as well, doesn't it, Paul? Yeah, I think when, when you're nervous, even with me now, you hear me talking a lot. And of course, a listener, I suppose, you can look at the, the whole the breakdown of romance, the breakdown of relationships, of course, they have to be yin and a yang. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, yes, of course, you need a listening ear. Of course you do. And I think, I think in, any, in, any, in any engagement, you need a bit of both. And I suppose, like, realistically, I've seen, like, a lot of very, very chatty ladies meet very quiet men. And, you know, there's always a story for everything, you know, for all types. But, yes, you are right, for sure. And then, obviously, when people start to get on, get, get on together, then it's then they ask each other out on a date, is it? And you leave them off to meet up? Yes. Yeah, so in, in the application, they, they, it's an application. They basically attend the event. They like who they like. And then they progress from there. It's up to themselves how they want to do it. But we would do, we do um, give recommendations. Look, you had a few matches now. Try to initiate an off-app encounter. Because what we say is, we don't want people on our app. We want to get rid of them as quick as possible. So we don't want long-term people. If you aren't active on our app for seven days, we will send you an email saying, look, you aren't active. We will delete you in 14 days. We want you to get in and get out. Because you should be able to go to an event, like people, go and we initiate, say, contact that person, contact the person, initiate something off it. Because the faster you can transcend from the app to the real world, that's when something really happens. And are you having success stories? Yes, I mean, again, we're in the early stages, but realistically, if you come to our event tonight, you will see the success. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Story yourself. I mean, it's very much fun. I think your, your listeners will really enjoy tonight's event. And why, you, you the, you're the, the founder. Why did you decide to set it up, Paul? I was thinking of myself. Single myself during, and I, I, this story will bamboozle you and your listeners. I started the application, started developing from Exeter because I realized that, look, I have a nice bubbly personality. I chat, I'm fun, but I'm not, I'm not Mr. Gorgeous, right? I'm sure people relate to me. But I started developing the app and I started doing beta testing and I just put it out there for someone who wants to join the events. And then a girl called Sonia, she jumped in the event and um, <laughs> a year and a half later, we're still dating. Took off. Oh, oh you're dating. You found out. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and you can, you, can, you can look at this story online. Yeah. And, like a lot of newspapers wrote about it, but it, it's so weird because it was one of the first, I think it was the fifth test we'd done. And it was just so weird. You know, it's just because like, we just had a, point, had, a, had a connection. It was like so easy because face to face. And what, what was it about Sonia? What, did, what, what was your, did you have a common interest? I think what you said, we, we, just, we just connected. Yeah. She was, she was a smoker. I wasn't a smoker. She was talking about her music she liked. She was talking about interests. And then it just the, the conversation just was so easy. It was just, it was like just talking to a friend. It was just so simple. And then we just longer and longer and what she liked traveling and she, what she liked. And, and then you just, see the, you just feel the connection. And then we met almost, I think we met on the second chat and then we went, that was it, you know. It was quite quick. Yeah, yeah. It's like if the chemistry is there, Paul, the yeah. chemistry is there. So yes. ca- it's catch.ie and catch is spelled with a K-A-T-C-H. Um, and it, you're not that, it's not that expensive to join. It's, no, it's free to download the application. The events are five euro. Tonight's event for matchmaking is five euro. Okay, yeah, that's less than, less than a pint. <laughs> what you pay for a pint out in a bob? All right, listen, we wish you luck with it, uh, Paul, and uh, luck with your own relationship as well. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Thanks, Trisha. Uh, Thank good you. morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Paul Newman, founder of Catch.ie. As I say, it's not quite a dating website. It's a, it's a meet-up app uh, instead. Straight after my interview there with Paul from that uh, day, the the meeting up app somebody says oh Trish here we go again people who aren't in our positions thinking they know what's best for us at Christmas they were feeling sorry for us because we live alone now they make us feel like we're only half a person why? because we're single let me say single alone people aren't always unhappy I have a happy social life and I also have my me time I'm not the only one I'm fine thanks leave us to live how we prefer to live and you live how you like Variety makes the world go round. 100%. 100%. But what we were, the piece that we did with Paul in the last hour was for people who are alone, who are living alone, or who are not in a relationship and are lonely and want to meet someone. I 100% accept. And I remember having a similar conversation around Christmas about it as well. I 100% accept there are people who, by their own choosing, want to be alone. And I have friends, I have single friends of mine, and there are times I look at them and I envy their lifestyle. They're always coming here and there. They've nobody pulling and dragging out from. They've no responsibilities. They've no one to answer to. And they are leading very, very happy lives. But that is their choice. But then the other side of that coin, and you're right, variety makes the world go round. There are also people who really would love to be in a relationship. And that's why we were giving some suggestions on how they could do it. So have a wonderful day. And indeed, all of the single people out there that are enjoying being single, enjoy Valentine's Day as well. 0818 103 103. 
Now, yesterday on the programme, I caused one of my listeners to nearly fall off the chair uh, when they heard me say, that this had come in from a listener, that a standard wedding meal now costs on average €130 Euro per guest. Uh, Joan, I hear you nearly fell off the chair with the fright. Uh, good morning to you. You were thinking about your own wedding. Yes, my <laughs> wedding meal, and it was the best meal out of six, cost two sixty-eight. Two pounds. That would have been that would have been pounds. Um, pence in those days. Now that was the be- what the, the there was there was one, cheaper. It was the dearest. What? Yeah, it was one to six, okay. and I chose number one because it had baked Alaska as a dessert. <laughs> And it had um, a good selection, beef, um, chicken. And basically, I decided I was having a good meal anyway. But I couldn't believe, even almost 49 years ago, that that was the price of the meal. Yeah, and to think now it's gone up to 130 euro. I'm just wondering, so the baked Alaska was on, was on the, the dearest one. It was probably jelly and ice cream on the cheapest one, was it? To be honest, I didn't look down the bottom three, Did but you? the top three were all reasonably good meals. So, so two pounds sixty-eight pence per per, per head. And did yeah. you have a big wedding, Joan? I'll tell you, I didn't want a wedding at all. I just wanted immediate family, but of course, parents wanted neighbours, and it developed into the fact that I invited a hundred and twenty. But about 90 made it on the day. And it was uh, in the Arbutus Hotel in Cork, which Gorgeous. was a beautiful hotel yeah. in those days. The Montanati. Yeah, and it was the scenery overlooking down. It was just lovely. But the it was, you see, I didn't want a crowd. I didn't want a fuss. And to start off with, it was on a Monday. And on the Sunday, I did my hair at home, stayed, a cousin and myself headed up to stay with very good relations the night before, and we had a fantastic night. And previous to that, on the Saturday, my dad and myself went to the English market and got the flowers. We were advised to do that, that they would be so fresh. So we headed to St. Patrick's Church in Cork, where I was getting married, and we handed them in to a lovely priest, Father O'Brien, who lived on the houses just adjoining, and he took over from there. He was fantastic. But on the... And then, previous to that, this is funny, but my friend got married the year before, and I was never one for shopping and never into very much style. I felt, look, all wedding dresses are much alike. They all look lovely on the day with a bit of makeup and a hairdo. And her dress was so nice, she asked me if I'd like to wear it. <laughs> so I wore my friend's dress. And when I went to her house a few months before for a fitting, I met two of her neighbours who, fantastic friends of mine, almost 49 years later. The dress was beautiful. They vetted it up and down, and it just imagined had to be taken in very slightly at the waist. 
So I had my dress. Yeah. I had the veil. I did put myself out by looking for what was a going away outfit, which I got a beautiful long dress and coat to match trimmed with a tiny bit of green. But to this day, I'm not into wasting time or rooting for style. And the the, the going away outfit now, uh, Joan, that's that's something that's gone today. I, I, I mean, for, 49 years ago, at some stage during the reception, you'd have gone upstairs and changed into it. Was, wasn't I that would, what happened? Yeah. You'd, you would have changed into your going yeah. away outfit. And you actually did go away. You, In it. Yeah. But you left the hotel. I left the hotel at yeah. six o'clock because in those days the weddings were 11 and 12. Yeah. And mine was 12. And I always remember we had lovely hot punch. It was a wine or like mulled wine, possibly, because it was March. It was a cold day and they were fantastic. It was the Ryans at the time owned the hotel and they advised on the wines with the meal. And I said, you know, how about champagne for the toast? Because when I was having it at all, I said, I'll go all the way at this stage. But they said, no, what people have now is a very good quality, sparkling white wine. <laughs> that was the start of the Proseccos, which what we now know as Prosecco. That's exactly kind of what what it was, but it was called sparkling white wine. Yeah, and it was, and it was cheaper. I don't like champagne. Yeah, and it was cheaper. It was about half the price. <laughs> I have to ask, who paid for the wedding, Joan? To be honest, uh, we paid for it. Did you? Yeah, because um, I had it in my head. I wanted to be independent (laughs) and pay for it myself. And um, my friend was a confectionery and she made a beautiful three-tier cake. And it was actually a lovely, elegant, simple wedding. I wasn't cutting on cost. I just didn't want the fuss of a wedding dress. And one funny thing, my son got married 18 years ago. And the same friend whose dress I borrowed was in a beautiful boutique in Mitchellstown about six weeks before he got married. And she rang me to say there were three outfits in this shop in Mitchellstown and that she reckoned one of them would suit me. My sister lives in Mitchellstown. She knew the shop very well, went down, got the three outfits, headed to Fermoy to me, and I chose one of those as mother of the groom. What so the you can the, see the, I'm the, not into shopping. You no, know, you're, 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 you're not. I have to ask, did you go somewhere nice on the honeymoon? We just went Ireland up the west, really. Yeah. Um, I think in those days it was mainly trips around Ireland. Mm-hmm. That was the done thing. That was the yeah, done, I think done thing. So. And then, of course, yesterday this all got kicked off because one of our listeners is going to a wedding up the country and is trying to work out how much do you do you put in in the wedding card. Forty nine years ago, Joan, would you have gotten cash or was it all presents? No, I would not have got cash. My house at home in Mitchellstown, which is small, lovely but small, was just chock-a-block with coal scuttles, (laughs) bedding, 
candlewick bedspreads, the odd blanket, and about ten tea sets. Ten? Ten. About five or six years ago, I actually binned two sets. I left two at home. I gave... I had them all gone except four, and of the four here, I've been two. Now, I'm looking <laughs> in at two more in a case, and I'm wondering, shall I bin them? Don't put, give them to a charity shop. Don't bin them. Because Char- yeah. vintage tea shops love having those of the old the old tea sets. And, of course, if you got ten of them, um, would would nobody have asked and said, well, what nobody would you like? Asked. To, they you just know. all appeared yeah. with several of the same. <laughs> And like when I'd open it, it was funny because you'd have to open it while they were there having tea or whatever. And I'd have to, oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> and several more behind someplace else, do you know? And and that, of course, was another tradition that happened. When somebody arrived with the wedding present, they had to be invited oh, in. Oh, they had. And they could spend two hours plus. It was, it was a huge commitment on, and it was more the bride's family than the groom's it family. Was. Yeah. They got away with murder, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because now they were all nice people, but um, they all kind of came within a week or two and you were kind of exhausted. You were putting on an act all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no matter how nice they were, you were tired and you wanted I know, to. I know. In fact, some of my aunt's friends, I had to invite them. Because the aunts and sisters. Yeah. Now, looking back, I didn't mind. But at the time, when you only want a family wedding mm. and you have to go against what yeah, you want. Yeah, that's it. And families. And, and, and you know something, Joan? I think that still happens today. I think some of the biggest arguments within families, families that get on really well, but when it comes to sitting down to do up the list for who yeah. you're going to invite to the wedding. And, and at €130 Euro ahead, you can see how couples are trying to cut back on the numbers. I can. But a, if you've got, you know, yeah. mammy or daddy saying you have to invite that cousin because I was at their daughter's wedding. Yeah. It just becomes, it really becomes a bit of a nightmare, doesn't it? It's outrageous, really. Yeah, like, yeah. And I used to go to somebody one time years ago, a hairdresser, and she was telling me that her friend got married the previous year. And she said the morning after, you know, the cards now, this would be six years ago, maybe the cards that you would give nowadays on the wedding day, possibly, if you weren't going to yeah, the house. With the money in it, yeah. With the money or the voucher. But she had said she would prefer money. But the hairdresser friend of mine at the time said, oh, she said, I was so embarrassed because she said she's a great friend of mine. And the morning after, she dragged me into a room off someplace and she was opening the cards vigorously and just grabbing the money, didn't know who sent anything, to pay for the reception. Ah, yeah. I just thought I would be dead with stress. Yeah, that's not what a wedding should be it's about. Not. It's not. And that's and and actually the number of people yesterday who were saying that you need to give a hundred and fifty euro per person, like three hundred for a couple, because the wedding meal costs 
the meal alone is, can be on average 130. So you need to give a bit extra because obviously there's other costs as well. And the number of people have pointed that out, that you know, people getting married today w- ask for the money and it is to pay for the wedding. But the stress levels of that on the day to see, did you get enough? Did you get enough? Yeah. OK. And just one final one. Somebody wants to know, does Joan remember the tradition of if with the wedding cake for people who weren't at the wedding? You oh, sent yes. You sent a piece of it in, in a little box and it went overseas. Yeah, we sent some to England. The cake? Some pieces, yeah. Uh, because the cake would last, really, and in those days it got there in a few days. Yeah. Oh, we did, yeah. We had little boxes and put some in for about three different um, families. Some, some, you wrapped home. the fruit because they were all fruit cakes in those days. Of they course, were all yeah. fruit, yeah. and yeah, they, they had they a lot of booze yeah. because yeah. my friend made it. Yeah, a lot of booze. Yeah, oh. yeah. And, and that's um, a lovely thing for somebody who wasn't able to attend the wedding. Then yeah, they got that's the that's basically who would get it, not people that were at the wedding. Yeah, or yeah. if a good friend or neighbour like couldn't come, um, you always and if there was a lot left at the end, you'd give them a chunk if they were living near, you know? Yeah, and of course, that's an old tradition that obviously nobody now is sending on a piece of the cake. Not at all. They <laughs> would, anyway, they wouldn't have a fruit cake and they you wouldn't. couldn't they send wouldn't. a Madeira. Yeah, they wouldn't. You know. All right, listen, it's a pleasure talking to you, Joan. Uh, so, somebody said you've, you've cheered up somebody no end. I've loved listening uh, to Joan talk With about With my homemade makeup in the morning in the room on my own, putting on my dress, Eating a big fry. And the friend's wedding dress. And I wonder, did anybody else get to wear that wedding dress? I don't know. And I met that friend yesterday because I was over at her neighbour who came in to vet the dress. Yeah. 49 years ago. And she became a lifelong friend. Brilliant. It had a lovely... Story all it did indeed. Really. Look after yourself, Joan, Thanks and really. happy Valentine's Day to you. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Somebody says Joan is like a breath of fresh air. I've really enjoyed your chat. Wonderful listening to Joan. I worked in our beautiful lodge hotel in the mid nineteen seventies, and the weddings there were magical. Everything she said is spot on about that hotel as an ideal location for marriages uh, back. Uh, then um, I have gorgeous memories of working there, says uh, Eileen. So, uh, Joan, bringing back happy memories for Eileen. Thank you for that, Eileen. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103's Summer Getaway. And that was, the, and that is the song, should I say, for today. So make a note of that song because it will be played again this afternoon. And every time you hear it today, you have to text or WhatsApp 0862103103, like Jackie McCarthy from Guinea but working in Mallow did today. Good afternoon to you, Jackie. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. You're working in Mallow but living in Guinea I am. I'm working in Mallow Post Office and I'm here living in Guinea uh, So you commute every day then, do you, for work? I do. Yeah. I do indeed. Yeah. I do. Yeah, three okay. days a week. Two and three days a week I drop share for that. Okay. And are you working today or are you off? I'm not, actually. I'm out sick, actually, at the oh, moment. Yeah. I'm choked with a cold, so oh. that's why I'm at home. There's that's a lot. why I was able to listen to you all day today. Well, there's a lot of those bugs doing the rounds. So there could, indeed, could indeed. you do with the holiday in Salou? Oh, I'd love it. Absolutely love it. But the heat now wouldn't go down. Would definitely go down. And would you be well, able, would you be able to take holidays on the thirtieth of May? I would. Yeah, and right that's my boss, Morris Fields. He'd better let me go. Morris, <laughs> she might be going. You need, you need to have cover. Hopefully, hopefully. And who would you bring with you? 
I would bring my mum. Ah. She's from Skibbereen. Ah, okay. All right. Mom is down in Skib. Okay. Let me ask you a question, please. Oh, God. Go on. They're very easy. Where would you book a holiday? A, an estate agent, or B, a travel agent? A travel agent. Well done. That is the sound that tells me you are today's qualifier. You go forward to the draw and a step closer to that holiday in Salou. Lovely. Thanks a million, Patricia. Okay, look after yourself and get over All that right, cold. Take care. Thanks a million. Again. Bye-bye, bye-bye. 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 Jackie McCarthy from Guinea but living in Mallow, our latest qualifier. So keep listening out for that song, Bananarama's Cruel Summer. That is today's song. We change the song every day, uh, but you've got more chances to qualify this afternoon with uh, Nick and again with Martina. So that is the summer giveaway here on C103. And this week it is a holiday to Salou. It'll be followed up by a holiday in Lanzarote. And there's also a holiday in uh, Mallorca only on C103. 0818103103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. Let me go to uh, a lot of commentary in this morning. Where will I start uh, with? Let me start with the wedding scene as we were talking about weddings in the last hour. And in particular, we were talking with uh, Joan and she was reminiscing about her weddings. And that led to a discussion about the wedding uh, cake. And someone had said there was once a tradition where if people couldn't attend the wedding, particularly people who were overseas, like in England, for example, and we all have relatives uh, in England, you'd slice off a piece of the cake put it into a special little box seemingly they actually had little boxes for it and you'd stick a stamp on it and you'd send it off in the post and then your loved ones overseas would be able to have a cup of coffee a cup of tea and a slice of your wedding cake which is a lovely tradition but obviously a tradition that has long since gone somebody says Patricia my parents got married in 1928 and I recently found the little card that was put into the box with the piece of cake oh what a gorgeous little thing to have and I'm assuming if it was a little card they were maybe they were printed were they at the time when you did the the wedding invites did they print up little cards that were we would be put in with the cake as well that's a lovely little memento to have of uh, your late parents and then Jude on email says does anybody remember the top tier of the wedding cake was kept for the first child's christening now we're talking about the era where it would have been a fruit cake <laughs> you could hardly keep a cream cake but a fruit cake and it was kept for the first child's christening did many people t- uh, do that and if so did the top tier last and we are still able to use it I mean Joan was talking about the amount of alcohol that was in her so there would have been no, no fear of Joan's uh, one going off Elizabeth says Patricia we were married 33 years ago this year we married in England where we were living at the time we're still going strong Good to hear, Elizabeth. We had 500 at our wedding. That's incredible. And we had a buffet, so there was no complaints about the food. If you didn't like it, you simply didn't eat it. Our wedding cake was made by a friend. And yes, we did keep the top the top tier. It was to be kept for when we had a baby and then it would be used as the christening cake. Baby didn't arrive for three years and we, we took out the cake. It had gone off. Now, if, if my memory serves me right, And again, there'll be somebody out there uh, who will know uh, what to do with this. I think you had to, did you have to take off the icing or the, the, what's it called that, um, 
that yellow icing that goes on underneath the marzipan. Was it the marzipan you had to remove or uh, when the cake was being made you didn't put marzipan on the top tier because I, th- I know I could be completely wrong on this but I have a vague recollection there was something to do with the marzipan can go off. Anyway Elizabeth said their cake was gone off so it was no use as a christening cake three years uh, later and she came home on Ireland for the honeymoon. <laughs> Thank you for that and Elizabeth then wants to pick up on what kicked off this discussion yesterday was our listener who was going up the country five star hotel with her dad, cousin's wedding, doesn't know how much to put into the wedding card. She doesn't want to be seen to be mean, but she doesn't want to be over generous either because then she'd be seen as being vulgar. So a lot of politics going on in her family. Elizabeth says, I always prefer to give presents. You shouldn't be invited if you're expected to pay for the meal. It's simply gone crazy these days. If people can't afford the wedding, well, guess what? They should have a small, intimate one and maybe go go abroad as there's enough expense already, particularly for that lady who contacted you yesterday and her dad having to travel up the country, having to spend two nights in a five-star hotel, having to buy the wedding outfits, etc. Family politics shouldn't come into it. My advice, says Elizabeth, to that lady is tell her to give what she can afford. Yeah, and I suppose that's what you need to do. And then on single people and how today can be tough and we are going to be talking in a minute about people who suffer from loneliness uh, on a day like today through bereavement or or separation etc. Mary says Patricia sorry now to tell you but my husband walked out on me and and my three children on Valentine's Day. God isn't that really cruel for another woman and that was after 15 years of marriage. You can understand why I hate Valentine's uh, Day. Uh, he'd been having an affair for three years and so I'm sad to say I never saw it coming. Oh, that's tough. And of all days to do it. God, there's no right day to walk out on a marriage of after 15 years, particularly with children, but to do it on Valentine's Day seems particularly cruel, doesn't it? Someone says, hi, Patricia, I'm single and have been for the last 20 years. It would be nice to have a partner. It would be nice to have uh, children. But I often sit and think about the cost of them now and how expensive it would be on the balance of things being single has huge advantages, particularly from a financial point of view. And yeah, certainly you're right uh, on that. And then on the listener who kind of kicked off the programme by sending us in uh, a text that kind of stopped me a little bit in my tracks. But it was somebody trying to, I suppose, give a word of warning to a Cork woman. Don't have any name, don't have any details, don't know where all this is going on. But uh, somebody sent in uh, a text for the day that's uh, in it and just wanted to throw some practicality into the mix when we're talking about loved up uh, couples. And it was a message for a Cork lady, lady dating my brother in Kerry at the moment. The message was, see how he treats his mother, his sisters and find out how he treated his ex-wife. You'll be the next one treated terribly. The property where he lives is a pigsty. Uh, he also left the marital home in that condition. When he slaps you, I can tell you, he also did that to his mother, his sisters and his ex-wife. Take care of yourself. And I thought that was really an upsetting, I think, text as well. But it was somebody, obviously, who was trying to offer a bit of advice. And my advice was then to try and pull that girl aside and tell her what kind of a man uh, your brother really is. Neve says, I all of my life lived with domestic uh, violence. Um, and my father treated my mother like dirt but I have to say he treated his own mother like a queen. He began hitting my mother. He used to put both of us up against a wall. The levels, uh, the level of violence when I was growing up was simply 
awful. Uh, in the end, he cheated on, on our mother. But I always clearly remember he treated his own mother so well. So it isn't always the case when somebody treats their mother well that they're going to go on and treat their own wife and daughter uh, well. The violence in our house, uh, says Neve, was so bad. It's actually put me off dating. God, that's dreadful. That's, I'm sorry for you, uh, Neve. That is what I'd suggest. Get some counselling. Get help to get over that because while you've had an awful upbringing with a, a, an, an awful, nasty, horrible man, not all men are the same. There are some wonderful, wonderful uh, men out there. We wish you well going forward. Hi, Patricia, listening to you on Valentine's Day, talking about matchmaking earlier. Well, I have a story for you of a mother who stopped who stopped her son being with the girl he loved and he deprived their family of a family life with their parents, resulting in a very unhappy couple and children who knew there was something missing in their lives because they could see their other friends have it. My message to her and to other mother-in-laws is butt out, mind your own business. And remember, people in glass houses shouldn't uh, throw uh, stones. And unfortunately, that's an issue that obviously is going on today and has always gone on. You've got interfering mother-in-laws. I can never understand why they do it, but they can interfere. And I'm sure father-in-laws can do it as well. And I know only recently, uh, something similar came up when we were talking about it and somebody said that in their particular relationship it was her husband's sisters that were interfering it was the sister-in-laws that were really interfering and were making uh, her marriage an absolute hell so unfortunately in-laws can get invo- involved and put their nose into business that they shouldn't be putting their noses into 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your uh, calls The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie The Lakela Men's Shed group in Mallow. They meet every Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. So they're meeting today, two to five in the afternoon. They're at the rear of the Lakela Centre. New members are always welcome. The Pike Theatre group there in Balancholic, they're holding their monthly script. It is on tonight in Balancholic Rugby Club. It's from 8.30. If you can play an instrument, sing a song or maybe just tell a story, you're more than welcome to come along. The usual cup and sandwiches plus a raffle on the night and there might even be a dance or two. Bingo in Shambally Moor Community Hall is on tonight. 8 o'clock they've got a jackpot of €3,800. And if you have a problem with food, you're welcome to join those who have found a solution to this common problem of overeating by contacting Overeating Anonymous on 086 3526 and you can enjoy pancakes with Bandon Seroptimists for Pancake Tuesday, which is this day week from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Mark it in, the, in your diary. It's going to be on the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon with an admission of 10 euro and all proceeds going to Marymount Hospital. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Some of your 
texts and comments coming in. Hi, Patricia, on weddings. I'm from Tipperary, and as a child, I remember when the presents, the wedding presents were given, they would all be displayed. I remember there was a table that would be placed in the middle of the room and all the wedding presents opened were put up on this table. Everyone then who came in to give a present paraded around, checking out the cards on the presents. Hilarious seeing some of the mad-looking fandangles for sideboards. They were totally useless. <laughs> They were given as wedding presents. By the way, we went abroad to get married. It was fabulous. Highly recommended to anybody who's thinking of going abroad uh, to get married. On parking, this is to do with the listener who was pulling in on Main Street, indicated Main Street in a town in North Cork, just didn't say what town, indicated to go in. And a lady in her early 60s driving what our listener described as an old Jeep clearly spotted me waiting to park and took the spot anyway. Then she refused to engage in eye contact. And this listener is waging and she says she's noticed that people of that age group in their 60s, they can always be skipping queues and butting in and they're brutal for it. And Fomoy listener says, listening to talk about the woman who took the other woman's parking space. Well, Patricia, in Fomoy town on the street, it's impossible to get parking because some of the shops are blocking you from parking by putting bollards and tables and chairs in the parking spaces. It is resulting in drivers driving around Fomoy trying to look for a parking space. Some are forced to double park which makes other drivers then very angry what bright spark gave the shops and cafes permission to put tables and chairs outside it's a disgrace says a Fomoy listener and talking of somebody trying to take your parking space and the frustration that that causes Teresa says I remember in a parking incident let's say it was about 30 years ago we were going to the summer the Cork summer showground always very busy always very hard to park there. There was a Garda on duty. We had spotted a place, and like what your listener said, put on our indicator to turn right to go into the park parking space. As we did it, a car coming in the other direction then spotted the this, this space and went to try and get in ahead of us. Fair play. The Garda spotted that we had seen the parking space first. He held the car pa- car back and directed us in. We were ever so grateful to that Garda who was on duty that uh, day. Yeah, there's nothing worse than somebody robbing your parking space, is there? Okay, a couple of other quick ones then. Somebody is saying when we were talking about the government, we know the government are making key decisions on the extension to the cost of living supports and there's much discussion as to where it's all uh, going to go, who's going to get it, who's not going to get it, with a call from Social Justice Ireland to say any money going a begging, it should go to people who are on social welfare and to and do that if they have a choice that they can e- either do that or give everybody the 200 euro electricity credit. Social justice are saying people on social welfare should get it over giving a universal payment to everyone on the electricity one. A listener says, I agree with one of your earlier listeners. Please, please, please tell them to give something back to the workers. Why give social welfare all of it? We also need help with our electricity bills. Some of us are working on very low wages and we need help. We don't get and can't get fuel allowance. People on social welfare are not out trying to get work. They seem to be getting everything for nothing. Wow. Well, of course, that there will be long term unemployed who will never work. But remember, there are people on social welfare who can't work either because of age or because of a disability, etc. So there's there is a, there's a whole host of reasons why people end up on social welfare. But I accept your point. You're another one of the ones in the squeezed middle. Somebody says, I think if they are making changes to cost of living supports, all pensioners should be exempt from paying a TV license. So, well, a lot of pensioners are if you're over 70 
uh, you are, you get a free license. That's part of the household benefit package. And I know some people under 70 also qualify, but it's only people who are on the household benefits package. But somebody says that that should be made all pensioners once they hit 66 they should get a free television licence Joan Kilmalik comes out in defence of the pensioners said our pensioners have worked all of their lives so we it's like a Joe was a pensioner we're entitled to get something as we paid our taxes all throughout our working life there are people who've never worked a day in their life in this country and they're getting all the benefits so I absolutely accept the pensioners are entitled to everything they get and more. And then Bill in Clonakilty said, is it not time for the government to revisit and take a look at the universal social charge? Bill says, if he remembers correctly, it was brought in and at the time we were told it would be in for about two years in 2010. But I think it would be the fairest and the simplest way to remove it because it will give something back to everyone, especially workers who are struggling at the moment. It will benefit all workers who pay the universal social charge. And you're right on your dates. It was 2010. It was introduced actually in December of 2010. It was a gorgeous Christmas present for us all, was it not? Then Finance Minister, the late Brian Lenahan. And of course, 2010, we were at the height of the financial crisis and it kicked in then from the January of the following year, uh, 2011. And of course, at the time, it applied to all gross incomes over €4,000 Euro, uh, with the threshold increasing then over the years. So everyone really at the time had to pay it. I mean, lots of people saw it as unfair and regressive. And yes, you're right. There was talks. We were in this desperate financial situation. Something had to be done. So it was the universal social charge was brought in. And at the time, it was going to replace other other levies that was there at the time there was an income levy and there was a health levy there was that was the, the health contribution charge so the universal social charge came in and replaced the income levy and replaced the health levy I, yeah I think at the time everyone was expecting that this was just to get us out of this really really dark financial position we were in but of course since then it has generated so much money for the economy and so much money for the exchequer that I've certainly over the years there has been various talks about getting rid of it but I certainly haven't heard anything of uh, late I mean it was known for example some people used to refer to it as the bailout uh, tax uh, because of course shortly after that then the Irish banks were all starting to uh, to get bailed out but there's been talks over different years usually at an election there's always talk at an election that they'll abolish uh, the USC I'm sure the 2016 election Fine Gael said they intended to abolish the USC over the lifetime of the next government uh, and obviously that didn't uh, happen so it is a discussion that comes up at all elections but certainly there's no talk of they're looking at extension for the cost of living supports but certainly no talk of getting rid of it um, for the moment but anyway I I accept your point uh, Bill if it was gone it certainly would help um, a a large number of uh, people 0818103103 OMG we are the middle class working families we again are the ones who are suffering suffering the most please 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 tell them to keep the energy uh, credits for the electricity myself and my husband we are breaking our backs working from week to week and then we end up with absolutely nothing at the end of it there are times like I feel in, feel like throwing in the towel it is absolutely ridiculous how hard it is for people at the moment and that's why the government when they 
sit down and there'll be a number of discussions this week and a number of discussions next week. I think it's expected that the Cabinet will sign off on whatever the new packages of measures are going to be next week and then an announcement will follow uh, suit after that. They have to think of everyone. It's, you know, they will have to look at people in social welfare. They'll have to look at the pensioners. They'll have the, we already know that they've got the tourism sector shouting at them to leave their vat uh, alone. They're hearing from the restaurant association, the haulage firms are in talking to them as well. But they are very much have to think about the squeezed middle as well. The people who are, as that listener says, working every hour that God sends and literally living from paycheck to paycheck because everything is going up. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Joe Heffernan uh, joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day to you too. Okay, you're keeping well? Ah, not too bad. Um, I had some very kind phone calls last week after my dilemma about <laughs> putting on my sock. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'd like to thank the people who rang with helpful hints. There was especially one man that rang me from a cart number and uh, I had it on my calls list and I went to call him back. But, of course, instead of pressing the call button, I pressed delete <laughs> and I lost the number. So if that same person from the city is listening, thank you very much for being helpful. OK, people are very good. Mm. But but your recovery, you're, you're getting there slowly but surely? I'm getting there slowly but surely. Um, uh, I'm better this week than I was last week. Brilliant. You know that kind of way now. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. OK, now yeah. for the day that's in it... Um, we're continuing on the Valentine's Day uh, theme. and But in particular, you want to talk about uh, loneliness. And that can be either bereavement or due to a relationship breakup. And actually, we had a listener who says hates Valentine's Day. Her husband actually left her on Valentine's Day after 15 years of marriage. So you can imagine the memory and the connotations that this day brings up um, uh, for her. But then we've heard from other single people who enjoy being single. It's OK to be single as well and, and well, like your own company. There is, there is that. You're talking about people, for whatever reason, they can be lonely, relationship breakups, bereavement, etc. So today for them is very much about self-care. Absolutely. Um, the last thing that one would want uh, would be what we'll call disorganisation and confusion. The kind of walking around the kitchen table kind of thing um, uh, in a bit of a tizzy. That, that one would have, it needn't be elaborate, it needn't be a big thing, but it can be just a decision to do something um, that will make the day a little bit better. Um, it could be anything. It could be like I'd look up maybe the cinema and see, is there something there that I would like to see? Um, and if so, that I might head off there. And that would be um, a way of, um, you know, passing the day, enjoying the day, hopefully. Um, uh, so that would be one of the things. And, of course, the biggest thing would be to maybe, uh, like it's used to say on the who wants to be a millionaire, phone a friend, mm -hmm. um, have an old chat, maybe invite someone over um uh, to your own place um, to have a, an old chat and a cup of coffee uh, or 
to, um, you know, make an arrangement to meet up somewhere, maybe even go the extra mile with that and, um, you know, book a table and uh, and meet up for um, um, uh, a meal uh, later on in the day. Um, those kind of things, that, uh, because um, uh, the worst thing of all is to be at a complete loose end and to be, you know, wondering, um, oh God, I don't feel good at all, and what an awful blooming day, and um, I wish that I had, uh, you know, it's to, uh, it's, to, it's to distract, do something that will take your mind off. If you, if you know today you're feeling particularly lonely, do something to distract, be that spend time with friends, with family, as you say, go to the cinema, you know, just do something rather than sit and wallow in the loneliness and, and, and I mean that and, and I say that in, in a really caring way uh, because loneliness is, is awful but just to be proactive Absolutely and you know it's amazing but um, there was a, um, uh, the Loneliness Task Force um, in this country some time ago um, but uh, it found that um, the heading on the article I was reading at the time was one of the greatest public health risks of our time uh, was loneliness. Imagine. Um, and um, that uh, it causes so much um, uh, ill health that people would not maybe have considered. But the effects of loneliness um, uh, that has been studied now for over 20 years um it can cause um, uh, blood pressure to rise. It can cause um, that one isn't thinking very clearly, that one's immune system uh, is uh, down. Um, the aging process accelerates under the corrosive effect of stress. Um, arteries tighten and raise the risk of heart disease. The lonely sleep poorly and report more daytime fatigue. So, I mean, loneliness is a real health issue. It's not just, um, uh, you know, it's not just uh, an unpleasantness. It's a serious uh, health issue. So, on the day that's in it then, um, one could, you know, one could decide that there was um, a place that they absolutely like, um, uh, be it uh, a a mountain walk, uh, be it um, a visit to one's uh, local town or city, um, but just to be doing uh, something uh, proactively that, um, uh, you know, that takes the uh, the loneliness out of it. Mm. Um, uh, it's an ideal day and time to spend with family, say with parents or younger people. Um, so all of those things. And yeah, and, if, and you know, and if you are at, at, at home, you know, you can do something like maybe you know there might be something on TV. Maybe there's a movie you've been meaning to watch that you've got recorded. I mean, for me, if I was to be given um, an afternoon uh, with completely on my own, it's a book. I would curl up with a book and get lost in a, in a book, and it would be just total me time. Me too, absolutely, absolutely. I'm in the, I'm in the middle of as as always. I'm in the middle of a novel now by John Grisham called um, The Boys from Biloxi. And um, uh, if I had an hour to myself in this afternoon, um, that's where I'll be. I'll get another few pages uh, read 
and I would be looking forward to, to, yeah, to the next, getting stuck yeah, into it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah. It, again, it's all back to self-care. It's all back to looking after yourself and doing something that will help you. I mean, you, I mean, you suggest simple things like taking a long bath or, you know, listening to music. There's lots of things that you can do yourself when it comes to self-care. Absolutely. And there's the stuff that we always meant to catch up on. As you said there a while ago, Patricia, um, the series that we recorded, but we never kind of got around to watching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be an ideal day for that. And when one is sort of immersed in something in that line, well, then um, we're not um, into... um, uh, pondering on uh, the day not being a good day for us. So, as you said, and you say correctly, um, we need an old distraction. We need to just um, uh, get involved with something that takes us out of ourselves for a while. It could be even a bit of, um, we'll say, we'll call it uh, a bit of self-pampering. Um, it could be um, a nice hot bath. Um, it might be... Um, you know, booking uh, something for the future in the coming weeks, like um, a spa visit or whatever. Um, or it might even be catching up on um, something that we intended to do for some time, like a gym membership. We could um, uh, we could phone the particular gym we have in mind. We could uh, maybe make a, a visit there and have a look around. Um uh, but at least to make the uh, the the phone call. Mm. So there's, now, um, and you also uh, you give good advice about avoiding social media for the day yeah, that's in it. Yeah, because uh, you know the great majority. I mean, um, we're all wise enough now not to trust social media as um, uh, as as uh, portraying a hundred percent of truth. But the thing is that. Um, you know, we don't want to be looking up um, if there was a breakup. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be um, uh, looking up on Facebook, say, um, uh, or X on how are they doing and what's going on there because um, one is probably going to get um, uh, um, a, a fantastic picture. Um, everyone is happy as Larry, etc. And that's not going to make us feel any better. We need to concentrate on on ourselves. Yeah, don't um, don't stalk day. don't stalk the ex. It's, exactly. It's hurt, exactly. It's hurting nobody but yourself. We mentioned flowers earlier on, and there's there's a new trend now of men starting to get bouquets of flowers. Nothing stopping you going out and buying yourself flowers. Well, peculiarly enough, now um, how unromantic can we get? But. Um, uh, I had a nice card for Mary for this morning, but being crocked as I am, yeah. um, uh, I am not exactly heading for the shops these times. So uh, <laughs> I asked Mary to buy herself a nice uh, bouquet of flowers, um, and then <laughs> she handed them to me when she came home, and I handed them back to her ah, and said, "Happy Valentine's ah, Day." That's, that's sweet. But you wrote the card yourself. You were. Oh, indeed, you were, I did. You were up to that. You you found the strength to do that. I was, <laughs> and heroic dealings because um, 
at about, uh, I happened to be awake about five o'clock this morning yeah. and I knew where Mary would be first thing today. Yeah. So I made sure that it was cocked up in yeah, front of her that see, she couldn't miss it. You're, yeah. a, you're a romantic uh, dude. Okay, listen, and, the, the, and, and the, the one, the loveliest and the best piece of advice for everybody is to learn to love yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you haven't got it, you can't give it. Yeah. And um, that's essential. That we would look after ourselves. Okay. Um, because God knows we all need to, in today's world, um, you know, it's fraught with um, your bad old news, left, right and centre. So we, we need to give ourselves a little break. OK, you go back and look after yourself. Continue on that great road to recovery. Yeah. Pleasure as always. And uh, happy Valentine's Day to yourself and Mary. Thank you, Patricia. God bless. And the take same you. to you and Brendan. Thanks um, a million. OK, yeah. take care. Take care. Bye bye. That is uh, Joe Heffern and Joe's numbers 086-834-8145 and he runs a counselling practice in uh, Bohabui. Uh, Fidelma was on about wedding cakes. She said, I got my wedding cake made for £10. And when we paid for the cake, the lady that made it gave me back four crowns. It was given back as luck money. Fidelma reckons it's about the equivalent of a euro uh, today. She said, would you believe I still have those four crowns? It was a fruitcake. We sent wedding cake to England and Scotland to relatives who didn't make it to the wedding. And at the time, uh, and we also kept one layer for the christening. Plus, we used my wedding dress. It was cut up for a christening gown. And the flowers that I used on the day of my wedding, they were placed on the graves of loved ones. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Once again, you're listening out for Bananarama's Cruel Summer for your chance to qualify for our trip to Salou. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.